Attachment and responsibility, the idea of Zika. Well, there's certainly some lesson in, in what's happened over the past few days. I did tell you um, last time we were together uh, that I was going to be on a trip overseas to a, a client and the program would be heavy and I just might not have the opportunity to be as regular as I would want to with a matmonim. Um, well, I haven't been as regular as I would want to with a matmonim, but not because of a trip to America. Last minute that had to be cancelled because of COVID. Uh, and so I find myself myself behind, uh, not because of the travel that I'd planned. It was going to happen only a few hours after I said that to you. And we really learned from there that uh, so little is in our control and how flexible and agile we have to be and, and ready to go with whatever Hashem brings, uh, knowing that it's for good reason and and things will work out the way He wants it to work out, not to resist it, but to, but to go with it. Anyway, we're in this very fascinating um, section of Gomorrah where we're getting right into the Yevamas ideas and I'm certainly beginning to understand why Yevamot was my Rosh Hashiva Rebellion Mishkovsky's favorite Masech, although I never learned it with him, something I regret terribly. Um, and why there was there was a comment, I think it was from the son of Reb Chaim Kanyevsky Zatzal, uh, who said that when he was learning in Yeshiva, when his father Reb Chaim was learning in Yeshiva as a young boy, uh, his father, the Steipler, said, Yevomus is the one Masech that I want to teach you. I want you to learn that with me. Uh, there's something about Yevomus, about the reasoning in Yevomus, and more than that, it seems to touch every major um, formula, every major principle that we use throughout chess. Uh, it's different from Ketuvot, which is called a little shas for a different reason altogether, and we'll discuss that when we get there. But Yevamot, in order to resolve the completely complex and, and difficult, multifaceted situations and scenarios that can be created in, in Yevamot, you need to use almost every halachic method, every halachic, halachic formula that there is. And so you learn all those formulas as you work your way through this rather challenging Masechta. And we're now examining the peculiar status of a Shomeret Yabam. A Shomeret Yabam is the woman whose husband has died childless, and now her husband's brother has either to do Yibam or Chalitza. She's called a Shomeret Yabam. And we're going to be talking about the concept of Zika. Zika, which means attachment, a, a unique uh, or affinity, a, a unique idea or an idea unique to the area of Yibum. Or in modern Hebrew, it's a term in chemistry. It's the force that causes certain atoms to combine with others to form molecules. But that's just in modern Hebrew. In the Gemara, Zika is used in the case of Yibum. Um, until the brother does Yibum or Chalitza, he either lives with his late brother's wife, takes her in as a wife, and we've discussed that already, or he does Chalitza, releases her. Until that time, She's forbidden to anybody else. So what is her status? He has to do a maisi. He has to do something to change her status. So again, what is her status in the meanwhile? What does this mean, Shomeret Yabam, awaiting Yibum? How strong is her affinity to the Yabam? How strong is this Zika? Do we consider this Zika, this attachment, as something powerful and halachically strong or not? We see in the Rambam, in Hilchot Yibum Vechalitza, in the beginning of Perik Aleph, Halachi Yud Gimel, that the Rambam talks about a case, for example, of HaCholetz Liyavamto, if the brother decides to do Chalitza, Harehi Keishto Shigirsha, then she is like a Grusha, she is like his wife that he has 
um, divorced and he's forbidden to any of her relatives just as he would be if he had been married to her. So he was never actually married to her. She was Zakuk law. She was attached to him through this Yibum law. He chose not to, not to opt for it and gave her Chalitza instead. But that attachment seems to remain. So much so that V'chein imeta yevamto v'adayin hizkukalo even if this Yevama died, so the man dies childless, the, the wife, the widow, is now as a kukal yabam to the brother of the deceased. She then dies before he does anything. She's still considered as a kukal, and even after his death, after her death, he cannot marry her relatives. Ki'ilu hayta ishto as if she were his wife and died in his in their marriage. And the Hagos Mamonia says that comes from Rav Yehuda Mashmuel in, in our Gemara, and the same when the Shulchanor of Paskins, this law, the Vilna Gon says, comes from, comes from Rav Yehuda Mashmuel in our Gemara, where we have Rav Yehuda Mashmuel saying, Rav Yehuda saying, and we say later on, he says so in the name of Shmuel, Shomeret Yabam Shemeta, if this woman waiting for Yibum passes away before the Yibum is done, Asur Bi'ima, the Yabam, her, her brother-in-law, who was going to do the yibum, cannot marry her mother or, or her sister. So we see from there that there is zikah, there is attachment, even though no yibum occurred. The mere death of the husband creates attachment. Um, and the Gemara then discusses and says, well, why not just say that, that yes, zikah, that there is such an attachment? Why give this complicated example of wanting to marry the mother? Uh, says the Gemara, I might have thought that only applies this attachment between the Yevama, the woman waiting for Yibum, and the man about to do Yibum or Chalitza. I might have thought that attachment exists only when both of them are alive. But if there's been death, if the Yevama dies, this attachment gets smashed, gets, gets shattered. Kamashwanan comes to teach us the zika bichti lo paka. No, that attachment doesn't just disappear with no action. There's got to be a chalitza or a yibum. Something has to has to happen in order to for, for that to be the case. Um, so if we look at this, and and on the next page on Daf Yudcheta with Bet. We've got the case of Rabbi Shimon, according to Rav Oshayu, who says that not only it's totally as if she's married. So this zikah is potentially very, very powerful. Um, it's according to the, the, the acronym, certainly the way Rabbi Naftali Trop, Rabbi Naftali Trop was the Rosh Yeshiva in the Chofetz Chaim's uh, Yeshiva. The Chofetz Chaim had his, had his Yeshiva in Raden, and there Rabbi Naftali Trop was, was the Rosh Yeshiva. And... Uh, I have, have been, so have, have many of you, I'm sure, to uh, Raden and seen the graves of Rabbi Naftali Trop and, and, and the Chofetz Chaim uh, right next to each other and sadly alongside a, a mass grave that was dug, of course, years later uh, where the Germans murdered the, the Jews of Raden. Um, but Naftali Trop is a wonderful, wonderful Rosh Hashiva and, and, and his thinking is so superb. Um, explains in the Namaka Yosef that this powerful zikr is powerful only if ultimately the mitzvah is performed, either Yibum or, or Chalitza. Then we say there's been a zikah all the way through. But if something happens to make it such that there will not be any a mitzvah done, for example, the Yavamah dies, 
then the zika is not as powerful. It's a, it's a Durabana and then and it's not a Durabana. But what I wanted to look at conceptually and thereby to get to the idea of the Matmon for today is if a zika is so strong, why then the need for Yibu? If this is really a, a marriage, it's, it's, and according to, to Rabbi Shimon, as we saw, why does he need to do Yibum? Why does the death of the husband alone not create everything that needs to exist between the two, the two of them? Um, as, as the, um, the Rambam writes in Al-Achayud when the husband dies without a child, there's no Isur of Eshet Ach for all the brothers, no, no Isur Chorus of an Eshet Ach uh, that disappears. So the, the death of the, of the husband changes the status of the woman and puts her at the disposal, so to say, of the brother, of the Yabam. Why does he need to do anything? Why is he not, she not automatically married? And to understand that, I think we have to uh, go back to, to what we said on the previous stuff about the relationship between property inheritance and the idea of Yibum. Because we talked about certain similarities, that in the case of property inheritance, you're getting a lot of, a lot of benefit, you're getting a lot of privilege. Um, but with that comes responsibility, and with that comes the need to invest. Uh, and very often we're willing to accept the inheritance but not do anything for the deceased. And, and part of, of Yibum and various other things that we do as part of Avelut are designed to invest in the ongoing well-being of the person from whom you've inherited. And that includes taking care of his, of his wife uh, and building a family for him. Uh, but there is a difference. When it comes to physical property, we have a principle of Zachin Adam Shalob Fanav. You can assign property to another person without them even knowing it, because we assume they would be in favor of it. They would be happy to accept it. You can deposit a million dollars into somebody else's bank account. You don't have to ask him permission. Uh, one can be Mazaki, one can do that transaction. Um, but to impose a responsibility for another person on someone else without his active participation in that transaction, that doesn't work. When it comes to responsibility for people, that a person must be free, in this case, to do chalitza. A person must be free to turn down the opportunity, to turn down the responsibility. Otherwise, you feel trapped in a relationship. And there's nothing so damaging to a relationship as to feel trapped. I had no choice. It was cast upon me. This is, I was forced into this. This was an arranged marriage and I was told to do it. All of these things where a person feels entrapped in relationship, in any relationship, in an employment relationship, in a partnership relationship, in a marriage relationship, any entrapped, entrapment um, is something which damages the relationship. The only place where that doesn't apply is in the parent-child relationship. And that's why there's a mitzvah of kibud av, av uh, because there's, there could be a natural thought on the child, child, part of the child. I didn't choose these parents. I didn't choose to get born. I, I don't owe them anything. Yes, you do, says the Torah. And there there is entrapment. You, you're born into that situation. You didn't choose your parents. But in all other relationships, there needs to be choice so that one doesn't feel um, that sense of entrapment. And the way that we allow for choice here is to allow for chalitza. And so the brother dies, the child is now, the, the wife is now available to the deceased's brother, but he has an option to do chalitza. And Yibum 
is foregoing the option of chalitza. It's not the other way around. We sometimes think chalitza is foregoing the yibum. No, yibum is natural. Yibum is almost automatic. You have an option to say no. That's called chalitza. If you go ahead with the yibum, you take the lady in and you live with her and you build family with her, you're opting not to do chalitza. And then you can never again feel this was thrust on me. This is something I, I had to do. And this is something to remember in life and leadership. Never allow yourself or others to be or to feel a victim of entrapment when it comes to responsibility for others. Always choose your responsibilities and allow others to choose theirs. Always know it's your choice and it's an ongoing choice. You've always got the choice to get out of it. That's why the Torah builds in getting to the, to the marriage process. There is a way out. You're not trapped. And each day you make a new commitment. This is something I chose and am choosing. You can't give a person accountability. One can only take accountability. And when you've taken accountability, the responsibility and its privileges are truly yours. Thank you.